Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day, or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Two Up Front. This is Simon Provan. Yes, I am on the controls again, so it's always a wild card when I'm the one sitting here in the producer's booth. We shall see what happens. Uh, But also, we had to call in a sub today. I was out last week sick with the shingles, believe it or not. Yes, I know I'm young. I'm old, but I'm not that old. But uh, was out with the shingles, and this week Baxter has some family commitments, so we called in our sub. We have Mr. T.C. Ward here with us. T.C., welcome to the show. Thank you. Fresh off the bench, so hopefully I can come in and make an impact. T.C., it's always good to have you on here. And, uh, well, this is your first time in the studio with us, really. Last time you, you talked to us, you were on the phone. So yep. so how are things going? I know you're busy coaching. Yeah, uh, things are really well. Um, we are just finishing up our last week in the indoor facility until after uh, the new year. So um, that's, uh, you know, it'd be nice to get a little bit of a break and stuff. Um, but otherwise, yeah, everything's good. I don't have shingles, uh, <laughs> at least as far as I know. Uh, I'm a little concerned you didn't tell me that before I came in. I've, uh, I've taken all the antibiotics, all the antiviral medicine, so we're, we're, we're good. It's been a couple of weeks now. Brilliant. Perfect. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. But I did notice you kind of scooted away from I me did, on the, my know, introduction <laughs> there. <laughs> Anyways, we've we got a whole range of stuff to talk about. But before we do that, let me remind you of where you can listen to us. Always on speaker.com which is uh, you can listen to us live there when we, when we do our shows. But you can listen to us on Sports Radio America Fridays from 3 to 6 Eastern. So that would be 2 to 5 Central. We are also on demand on iTunes, Spreaker, and iHeartRadio. Well, TC, as we're here, we've got a lot of stuff to cover. We're going to talk everything back a little bit. I was at MLS Cup, so I want to make sure we, we spend some time talking about that, my experience there, and, of course, watching my beloved Portland Timbers raise that MLS Cup, their first championship in MLS. Of course, they've been around for 40 years in various leagues, but this was, this was the cream of the crop for them. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in MLS as far as a major event happening there. We'll talk a little bit about Abby Wambach, not necessarily her retirement, but some comments that she made. And, of course, we'll jump across the pond, talk a little Premier League, talk Champions League, look at the Euro 2016 groups, and uh, we'll, we'll see what goes on from there. But once again, let me throw it out there right now. I apologize for any sound issues we may have. This is only my second time doing this, but I always tend to walk away and, and learn something from it. So, so T- TC, this is your first time co-hosting. I apologize if we totally 
demolish this thing. But we'll have fun while we're doing it. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's kind of like when I'm coaching kids. They don't know when I screw up. So you know, Brilliant. I, I love it. Yeah, I won't know what's going on anyways. <laughs> All right. Well, I do want to talk about MLS Cup. Of course, it's been a couple of weeks. But I got to say, it's, it's been pretty amazing to see the growth of this league and the growth of the championship game. Of course, the game used to be at a neutral site um, so that teams would have plenty of time to prep throughout the year. But we're seeing that with the growth of this league that when the, when the owners decided to have the highest seed left in the playoffs host the event, which they knew was kind of a big risk, mm-hmm. it's been one of the best things that they've done. Yeah. Uh, the, the fan base has been extremely passionate. I have to say... When I was, uh, I was actually at MLS Cup 2006, I believe that was the year. It was Houston and New England playing against each other again, and, of course, New England losing yet again, again. in the MLS <laughs> Cup. Um, but the atmosphere was pretty boring, mm-hmm. and it was, it, was at, it was in Dallas or Frisco, to be more precise. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was amazing that the, you know, there were still tickets available that day. I don't even think the stadium was sold out. Mm-hmm. Now we fast forward nine years later. And here we are in Columbus. The game was well sold out probably a week before the game actually took place. Um, You know, Columbus was one of three teams that could have hosted the event. It was New York, Columbus, and uh, Dallas. So thank goodness it wasn't in Dallas. That means Portland wouldn't have been in it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But for the fact that not even knowing if the game was actually going to be there, that it pretty much sold out before anybody knew, just goes to show how far along this has come. Well, it looked like the atmosphere was great. I mean... You know, obviously Columbus being at home, you know, their supporters were great, but it looked like Portland traveled really well. Um, And, yeah, I think that environment definitely makes it a great experience for the fan at the game, but also great for television, too, which is something I know MLS, you know, is trying to build up with some of their TV contracts and stuff. So it definitely seems like, you know, it is risky. um, But since it worked out, Looks great. Yeah, you know, the tough thing they're, they're going to have, and I don't think it matters where, you know, whether they flip the season and actually fo- follow more of the year calendar. One way or the other, you're going to run into the NFL. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the toughest thing. You know, the, the stadium was sold out. The atmosphere was great. Um, Ratings-wise, it was down. I was just reading about this. Rating-wise, it was down, I think, by about 30%. Mm-hmm. Last year, they had about 1.8 million viewers. This year, it was 1.1 million viewers. Mm-hmm. Um, still, as... As, as a guy who's almost 40 and has followed the game my entire life, still pretty exciting to hear that over a million people are tuning into a game that is uh, an American league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Premier League gets wonderful ratings over here. Yep. Um, MLS, but, you know, still struggles in that department. Yeah, and I think, you know, part of that, you know, it, it's kind of like any time San Antonio makes it to the NBA Finals or, you know, Kansas City made it uh, in the Baseball World Series this year is any time you have, you know, teams from what would be perceived as a smaller market like a Columbus and a Portland, you know that your ratings are going to drop off. So I don't know if that's as much of an effect of uh, – who actually was in the finals versus the league as a whole? I, I think you're. I think you're onto something because I know when Sporting and RSL were in the final, the ratings were also down. Yep. But last year it was LA and oh, I'm blanking on the other. On the I was going to say I knew it was LA, yeah. and then I was trying <laughs> to think of the other one. Um, but yeah, anytime you have like a big, you know, an, an LA or a New York team or something like that, um, you know, you know that your ratings are going to be better. Just the fact, though, like you said, you have a million people tuning in. It's during an NFL Sunday. I mean, I think that's a big step for the league. Yeah, I agree. I mean, ultimately it is. When you, when you, when you break that million mark on an NFL Sunday, uh, it's, it's always impressive. Um, 
Now, I will say, I will say, as much as I enjoyed the atmosphere, which, by the way, I was sitting with, Colum- with Columbus fans oh, for the first half. Reason being is I, I, I wanted a really good seat, and I got one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I bought it before they went on StubHub. When I, when I realized that tickets were on sale, I grabbed one right away. Mm-hmm. So I was at midfield in the upper deck. It was a wonderful seat. And I, and I have to say, um, very respectful. Nobody, nobody gave me garbage for wearing my Portland Timbers gear. And, and, I, and I will say, in return, when the Timbers scored, I was very respectful. I, I, of course, you know, clapped. I stood up. I didn't sit there and, you know, start yeah, screaming in people's faces. And, yeah, right, yeah. right. But I did have to move because I did get tired of the fans complaining about every call and every non-call. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I had to go by my brethren for the second now, half. Now, in fairness, though, there were some things that they had a right to be you know, complaining I, about. Um, Although, there, there in were, fairness, there they also got two goalkeepers in the second half when Parker's, you know, saved the one <laughs> off the line. It was, it was second half, right? It was second half. Ball. Yeah, was second so, half. I mean, um, but, yeah, you're probably better better off moving with your <laughs> with your own brethren. It, it, it just just for the fact that I, I couldn't stand the whining anymore, and that's not every Columbus crew fan out there. I, I've got a, a good friend who's a crew fan, um, but it was just the, that particular group I was sitting around, I, I, I had to get up and leave. Plus... It'd be silly of me not to experience the Timbers Army when mm-hmm. I'm at MLS Cup. Right. You know? And they win it. And they win it. <laughs> I w- now, you know, going back to the game, I-, I will say one of the things that was uh, was a little disappointing, it- the game did obviously get chippy. I think the ref could have done a better job, but you can say that almost about any game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't the best display of soccer out there for a, for a final. Yeah, but I think that that's indicative of a lot of finals. Uh, you know, you look at... Uh, 2010 World Cup where Spain played the Netherlands it ended in a 1-0 game and Spain was obviously notorious for all their possession and everything so the Netherlands plan to break that up was just to follow them and probably the most iconic image is when Nigel de, de Jong or whatever um, basically karate kicked um, Xabi Alonso you know right in right. the chest but that was how that game was played out now the following in 2012 the Euros um, I think Italy thought that they could play with Spain and they lost, I think it was 4-1 or something. So that was kind of an exciting final. But a lot of times you look at finals, especially in soccer, as being pretty cagey affairs until late um, when teams might have to go for it or get a goal. Um, What I think was strange about this one is it started out pretty wild and then probably, you know, it tapered off a bit. Sure. Um, You know, but I think, I mean, even last year or two years ago, the Champions League final when Real Madrid came back to beat Atletico. I mean, that was, uh, I think it was a one nothing game until the 90th minute, and then Real scores to tie it, and then they get three in extra time. But the only reason they got those three was because the game opens up more and more with each goal that they would score. But sure. I think that's pretty, you know, and, and same thing with the mistakes. I mean, it's a final. You know, guys are anxious. Um, I'm not sure what Columbus's goalkeeper was thinking. Um, <laughs> Steve Clark, yeah, he. Yeah. Uh, I honestly don't. I don't think he saw Valeri coming behind him. I thought I, the way when you go back and look at that. I mean, he's taking his time with that ball, and yeah. that's all I thought was he doesn't even realize Valeri's there. And when I saw Valeri making that run when I was in the stands, I was like, "You're kidding me! This is this is going to happen?" <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Clay Matthews, you know, breaking on the on the blind side of a quarterback. And I think right. I was actually um, I was watching ESPN FC. And I think it was that. And Taylor Twelman commented on it about how he had actually brought it up before the game in their production meeting about how um, – who's the goalie's name again? Sorry. Steve Clark. Steve yeah. Clark. Had, there were a few times this season, this past season, where when he gets the ball on whichever foot, he's very 
you know, uh, nonchalant about getting rid of it. He likes to drag it back. And so he said, if I was a forward, I would take note of that and look to press uh-huh. on it. So you can't say it was completely out of character for Portland to press the way they did when that happened. But you can definitely say, you know, you're starting out, you know, an MLS Cup final. You probably just want to ping that ball up the field. Yes. I mean, I'm pretty nonchalant when I'm playing, you know, indoor over 40. I'm pretty nonchalant, but that's because I know those guys don't have as much speed. Right, exactly. (laughs) You're not not facing (laughs) professional top-class athletes and stuff like that. So, uh, sorry there. I just took took myself out there a little bit. Um, (laughs) So that's a great point, though, because, you know, we, we... I fi- I had some friends who this was back in 2002 since you were refer- uh, referencing that that final. Um, they were telling me that they finally decided to watch a soccer game, so they thought, well, we're going to watch the World Cup final, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what their comment was: is that was the most boring game we ever watched. And I said, well, you know what? I can't really argue with you, but if you're looking for excitement, like that, even the layman will enjoy, you got to watch like a semifinal game or a quarterfinal game yep. where everything, uh, you know, you want to get to the next game, right? Yeah, and those second stage uh, or those second games in the knockout stages of the Champions League, I always tell people, you know, I find to be the most exciting soccer because usually there's a team that's got to get an away goal or they have to keep a team from getting an away goal. And once a goal is scored one way or another, everything is, you know, thrown out the window and teams right. are really going at it. Um, you know, finals, just like the first games of, uh, of the World Cup group stages, usually are really kind of boring and cagey games because no one wants to drop points, you know, get a loss in that first game. So they're always looking to play for a one nothing win or a 0-0 tie. Sure. You know, and once it goes 2-0, you know, if a team can nick two goals and go up 2-0, then the game might open up. But usually, you know, it's it, it's pretty normal, I think, for a final and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a, that's like I said, that's a fantastic point. Uh, I'm going to transition here a little bit. Speaking of movement, you see what I did there? Yeah. Uh, MLS had their first free agent signing ever. So uh, for those of you who don't know and, and, and maybe do not follow the league as closely as I do, again, I, I pride myself on the fact that I've, I like to say I've been watching it since 1995, even though it started in 96, but I've been, you know, from the birth of it on. Mm-hmm. Um, players have never had free agency in MLS, and they finally got a little bit of it. Of course, you need to be at least 28 years old and to have served at least eight years in the league. Um, but if if you stayed with the league since day one, it really is a significant thing. Um, and for the fact that Justin Mapp, who was playing with the Montreal Impact, is now with Sporting Kansas City because he was actually dealing between two teams, uh, that's something that you can speak of because you had a brother that played in the MLS. Um, realizing how big of a deal that is, yes, it's still extremely restricted. Players uh, can only increase their salary by 20% from one team to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, but the good thing is, is that if you've put in your eight years and you're at least 28 years old, teams no longer hold on to your rights. And that's, that's been the big thing is these players who are out of contract, who don't fit into that category, mm-hmm. that team still actually owns their rights if they were to stay in MLS. Now, granted, if they're out of contract, they can go over to Europe on a free transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do see guys do that, especially like over to the Scandinavian leagues. But if they're staying in the league, uh, they're a bit stuck. Um, your brother, I don't know if he experienced that directly, but, but you have a brother who who was in the league, and that, that kind of – well, you, you can shed some more light on that. Yeah, and I know that uh, – you know, I don't know a ton about his actual contract. Now, he was traded a bunch of times, and I do know that 
um, you know, part of it initially was a generation Adidas contract. And so those contracts don't count against the salary cap. And so as far as trading him was very easy for, for a team to do because the team that was accepting him wasn't going to take a hit on that. Sure. Adidas was basically the ones that I think in some matter are paying that contract. And so, you know, he'd find out the day. I mean, I remember when he got traded from, uh, from Chicago Fire to San Jose, he literally found out on a Thursday. They had a Saturday game, flew out there, was there for Friday night. Um, actually, he flew to Colorado because they were playing the Rapids that day. And he flew there, and then 35 minutes into the game, uh, San Jose had a defender go down injured. And the announcer, I think it was Alexi Lalas, so, you know, he's like, oh, and Tim Ward looks like he's warming up pretty hard on the sideline. He might be going in. And I'm like, this guy's a joker. Like, he literally just got there. I don't even know if he knows anyone's <laughs> name. And sure enough, he came in, and it, it kind of did speak to how movement – it still does kind of work like that, I think, in MLS, but at least it's it's maybe bridging that gap of eventually getting to a little bit more freedom, a little bit more players' rights, a little bit more similar to Europe and the rest of the world. Um, I don't know why MLS is so restrictive. Maybe it's to – make sure that the bigger markets, the LA's and the New York's and, you know, whoever else aren't basically, you know, taking their pick. Right. But at the same right. time, you have to look as a professional athlete, as an individual, you know, your career is only so long and you should have the freedom to theoretically get as much as you can when, you know, when that demand for you is there because it, that window is very small. And I, I will say for years I've preached about how, you know, the league has to, take baby steps and baby steps and baby steps so they don't overspend themselves. At the same time, we're getting to a point that perhaps the league in and of itself is not making money yet, but their marketing arm, some, Soccer mm -hmm. United Marketing, brings in loads of cash. I yeah. mean, they, they get all the contracts for the Mexican national team games that happen in the U.S. They, they get all the games, uh, all the basically they gain a lot of the money from the U.S. national team as well because that's who U.S. soccer works with. So... The league will stay around just because of that marketing arm. Um, but also, if I'm a player and I'm not making much money in the league compared to others, and I know, I know they, they've raised the league minimum now to 60000 which is great, but if I'm a player and I'm being told, hey, guys, we just don't have much money, and then you see them spend $6.5 million on Michael Bradley, you see him spend $10 million on Kaká, I'm sitting there going, Okay, you can't tell me you don't have much money when you're breaking the bank on these guys. Well, that's, you know, I always used to bring up the point of David Beckham. And at that time, the developmental contract for a MLS player was like 13-9. Right. You could literally be playing, you could be st in the starting 11, have a locker right next to David Beckham, and he's making, you know, $100 million a year, whatever it was they were paying him. And you're making, you know, you can't tell me that that money isn't there. And I'm not saying, you know, it's got to be some socialistic sort of everyone sure. gets paid the same. But at the same time, you know, to make the league attractive for guys to stay here and for us to also bring in other young, exciting talent, you know, the Giovinkos of the world. Well, there does need to be one more, you know, uh, more reasonable pay scale. And two, the freedom to understand that, hey, if you get, if you get into this team and you're in this contract, that that's not like where you, that's not where you, you, the end, you know, amount that you make it, that you have that ability to demand a higher wage or to get that from 
another club that is willing to pay you that kind of money. Right. You know, it's funny talking about the early days. I, I can tell you that um, – so when MLS first started, the National Professional Soccer League, which was the indoor league, was, was actually in a decent place. They had 16 teams. Um, guys were making decent money. Uh, we're from Milwaukee, and, of course, our indoor team is the Milwaukee Wave. Obviously, indoor soccer is, is not what it used to be. No. Um, uh, that's, that's not a slight at the wave. That's just the reality of, of, of the game in this country. Um, I could go off too, too many tangents. But when MLS first started and they brought in a bunch of these indoor guys, uh, there, were, there were at least two wave players that were offered contracts by MLS, but they turned them down because they were making more money playing professionally indoor than MLS was offering them yeah. to play outdoor. Yeah, and that's great. I mean, and that's really now obviously it's changed and, you know, for any number of reasons, you know, good talent is now choosing to play outdoors and so the indoor leagues have obviously suffered. Um, but I still think, you know, if you're trying to tell someone that, you know, they go get a four-year degree or they have the opportunity to do that or they can make 60 grand for two, three years, I think they're going to choose that long-term, you know, as much as playing professional soccer might be a dream of theirs. Sure, you know, sure. When there's not a lot of rights as far as their movement or their ability to choose or all that kind of stuff, you yeah. know. I, and I do think that might hold the league back at this point where they have, you know, a good enough following and a good enough, you know. Right. Well, you look at a guy like Jordan Morris. I mean, he stayed at Stanford, yeah. which, which, by the way, they won the College Cup, if you didn't hear. Um, I believe Morris scored two goals. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's he's... It looks like he'll be leaving now and going to Seattle. Apparently, Seattle has offered him quite a nice contract. But, yeah, he's been, even though he's playing with the U.S. national team, he's stuck it out in college because yep. he wanted his college education so he could have that long-term goal. I think it sounds like Seattle may have come along and offered him enough money that realizes he can set himself up for yeah. life, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, and that's, I think now with the Justin Mapp thing and some of this other stuff going on, I think the league is getting to that point, but I also think there's a tipping point of if they wait too long, you know, people are going to start to say, well, I can watch the Premier League every Saturday and Sunday morning, and DeAndre Yedlin's over there, and these guys are over there, and the only reason those guys are going there is because they're getting paid a lot more money. Um, and I mean, the exposure is something, but, you know. It's very true. Uh, speaking of the Premier League, when we come back on the other side of this break, we're going to jump into that a little bit. Leicester City still sitting on top. Go on then. <laughs> and what is going on with Chelsea? You are listening to Two Up Front. This is Simon Provan with my guest host, TC Ward. We'll see you on the other side of the break.
Welcome back to Two Up Front. This is Simon Provan sitting in the Two Up Front studio with Mr. T.C. Ward. He is our substitute today, so we could still be Two Up Front because uh, you don't want to listen to me. I'm, I'm not a number nine, and you don't want to <laughs> listen to me just by myself for an hour. Uh, so T.C. Ward is sitting in here with us. You can listen to us on Sports Radio America. 3 to 6 Eastern on Fridays. That's 2 to 5 Central. You can also find us on Spreaker.com where you can listen to us live when we actually record the show. You can also find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and uh, give us a listen. See what you like. And feel free to comment on our Facebook and uh, Twitter pages. Facebook, we are 2 Upfront, And on Twitter, we are at 2 Upfront Soccer. TC, do you have any social media things that people would like to follow you on or have them follow you? No, I'm not a big, you know, I don't tweet a lot or anything <laughs> like that. I, I enjoy going not a on tweeter. and then, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not clever enough to do it often enough where it'd be worth anyone's time to, to follow me. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> but those kids follow you on every word you say. Yes. Well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of following, TC, we were, we're big followers of the Premier League here. I just want to touch base. I know uh, you actually follow the league a lot more closely than I do when you have time to, that is. Yep. Uh, I understand you're a Gunners fan. I am huge Gunners fan, so uh, it's been a good year so, so far. All right, well, let me ask you this to start this off right away. Are they going to win the Premier League? I would say they have as good a chance as, everyone, as anyone, and that's not to discredit or disrespect Lester, who is top after uh, demolishing a woeful Chelsea, but they just... The, the thing, you know, I think with every year in the EPL, there's always a surprise team that's in the top four right around this time of the year. I think last year was West Ham, and they might have dropped off a little earlier. And there is something, I think, you know, any team that's been leading at the 16-game mark. Has, right, we saw know, South Southampton was yeah, in the top four last year. The the thing is, is the depth of, of Leicester, you know, God forbid – you know, Riyad Mahrez or Jamie Vardy or any of those guys go down, they don't have the same depth that a team like Arsenal or City does or, you know, even theoretically a Chelsea or or United. Um, And that's where, I mean, Drinkwater went down in the Chelsea game and it looked like maybe a hamstring, I think. And he's a big part of their, their central midfield. You lose a guy or two like that and they don't have someone to bring on, whereas Arsenal has an entire, you know, hospital wing right now at the Emirates for all their injuries and <laughs> right, stuff. And they're still, right. so I think that might catch up to, to Leicester. And then because Arsenal have been a little bit more consistent than city, you know, um, but we'll find out this weekend because they play each other. Um, and, but yeah, I think if, if there's ever a year for Arsenal to win it, this might be their best chance. No, I'd have to agree with you. They're sitting in second place right now, just two points behind Leicester. And I think the thing that – I was thinking the same thing before the show is that Vardy, it's amazing how many goals he has scored this season. Yep. Um, but the flip side of that is nobody else is really scoring goals for them. And that goes back to your comment about, so if he goes down, right. what happens? Now, if, if he doesn't go down, does Leicester have a realistic chance of actually winning this? I mean, well, the way it stands in the table right now, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the pace they play with, they play really exciting, you know, driven soccer where it's, it's not just thumping the ball up to Vardy and watching him run by guys. They are combining well and forward up back throughs, and Amarez has been great out on the wing. Um, 
I just don't know if they can take that physical pounding of doing it week in, week out, especially I'm not sure if they're still in the Capital One Cup or whatever it's called now, but with the FA Cup, you know, all that stuff piling up, you know, and teams now starting to fight relegation battles or fight for top four spots where they might be playing Leicester and giving them a little bit different respect than they had in the past. I mean, of course, Leicester did just beat a team that's in a relegation fight. <laughs> oh, yes, Chelsea. Oh, <laughs> talk about Rome's burning. Um, uh, you know, that's a team where when you look at where they, what they did last year and now what has gone on, I don't think anyone would have predicted that, you know, early on when they were struggling to find results this year, that it was going to play itself out like it has. And at this point, you actually could envision them not, I mean, really being in that fight. You know. Well, um, well you look at it, they're, they're one point off the drop zone. Yes. They're sitting in 16th place. Norwich is at 14, Swansea's at 14, and then you got Chelsea at 15. Yes. Uh, I, think, I think Aston Villa, it's no question they're, they're dropping. I mean, they're, they're sitting at six. Of course, going back to Leicester, they were sitting in last place before Christmas last year and then made a tremendous run to stay up top. Well, and I think you see that sometimes with the teams at the bottom because they're such a big – they take a big pay cut right. if they do drop. And so you see some of that momentum or, you know, some of that fight in those teams. Sunderland is always – I always used to joke, Newcastle always plays just hard enough in the early half of the season to make sure they won't get relegated. And then the second half they always, you know, kind of coast once they realize they're not going to be a top-four team. And Sunderland was the opposite. They right. coast the first <laughs> half of the season. And then when they realize they're, they might get relegated um, – but, you know, it just seems like Chelsea doesn't have an answer right now for anything. And Jose, as much as I love to watch a guy like him who's always throwing barbs at Wenger and Arsenal, <laughs> I mean, he reminds me of, um, oh, now I can't remember the guy's name, in uh, Office Space, who literally is just going into work and is just like, well, whatever, you know. They, I wouldn't say I miss work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he... I don't think he cares if he gets fired or not at this point. I, I almost think he's asking for it because the the way his contract is set up, I think it gets like a $50 million or $30 million buyout or something like that if he does get fired. And at this point, it looks like the, the players don't uh, – based on his press conference after the, the Leicester game where he said he felt betrayed by the players and, and all that – it, clearly he's lost the, the it, dressing room. It is pretty amazing how three, four weeks ago he was just talking about that very thing of how I haven't lost the dressing room. They all want to win. They all want to play for me. Yep. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But now, exactly, now he's coming out and doing just the opposite, saying, well, they've betrayed me. Yes. So so that, that begs the question, did the, did the player stop playing for him four weeks ago? It certainly looks like it. I mean, you can't say that that same exact, almost to a player, Last year, ran away with the Premier League. And now, this year, it's, I mean, Aiden Hazard looks like a completely different player. Cesc Fabregas is, like me, coming off the bench. Um, You know, he's, John Terry, well, that could be an age thing and stuff. But, I mean, just uh, Ivanovic, who's one of my favorite defenders all time, just looks completely lost. Well, that's that's part of the question. I I don't mean to interrupt you, but is the team just getting too old? And was was this last year the year that everything caught up with their bodies? You know, it could be, and but I think then that still falls on Mourinho and and the Chelsea, you know, who's ever in charge of transfers. I mean, Mourinho had guys like Lukaku, who I think's third this year in scoring. Yeah, he's uh, hot at, at this point. Um, he's had guys like Kevin De Bruyne, 
who now is with City and has torn it up since he's gotten here. So, you know, that's on him then because I don't – and I still don't buy it. Like, Jamie Vardy's not exactly a spring chicken himself. He's 28 years old. Um, I, th- I really think it's – he's lost them. I think he drives players in a way tactically where they have to do something a certain way, and it's not exactly the most enjoyable soccer probably to play or to listen to, you know, when you're playing – 10 behind the ball and look at, you know, so. <sighs> well, speak, speaking of unattractive soccer, TC. Are we going to talk United? How did you know? I mean. Yeah, so what's <laughs> going on over there? I think it, it, well. Is it kind of the same situation where these players have just given up on, on their manager? On, uh, is it Van Gaal or Van Hall? I'm not sure. Okay, I, all right, good. I, I just, good. That's it's why Dutch, I, just, so I call him LVG. You okay, know, LVG, I like you know, that. Um, yeah, there you go, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I think it might be a little bit the same thing. Now, he's kind of almost going the opposite. He's bringing in a bunch of young guys and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, but I do think tactically it just seems like either they don't want to play the way he wants them to play or maybe worse, they're playing the way he wants them to play and it's just a really bad you know, yeah, setup. that's that's a good point. It's 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 amazing to watch a Manchester United side play such boring soccer. Oh, I put it on to go to sleep to. There you go. I, mean, I don't get those nature sound CDs anymore. I just record the United games and a couple of minutes of sideways passing. Um, yeah, just another way for United to make money. Yeah, fall asleep to our games. <laughs> right there you go. No, I think you know they also look like a team that just doesn't care to listen to their manager i think just i was reading today that now some players are being a little bit more vocal and leaking stuff and from locker room type stuff and um you know it's definitely probably a different age of player now where you know you can't fire the player but if you give the players now this little bit of you know they feel like they can get a coach fired and i think that's a dangerous road for professional sports to go around yes go down because you know Coaches aren't cheap either, and I, I think coaches have a lot to do. And I'm not saying this as a coach myself, but I'm just, at the professional level, I think they have a lot to do with teams being successful. Um, but you have to man-manage, and I don't think that's something that LVG has done very well since he's gotten in. I mean, you you had a guy like Di Maria, maybe the best winger in the world. Right. Um, just lightning at, at uh, Real Madrid. He comes to United, and... Was useless. Yeah. See, for me, what, what's going? I'm going to say Van Hall because I think it's. That's probably. I don't know. Yeah, but I'm going to say Van. Yeah. No, is it Van Gaal? I don't know. I'm not quite sure. Anyways, I'm going to say, I, I I see it almost as, as like the Klinsman effect, where he's got a very set way that he wants his players to play. He has a system, mm-hmm. and instead of getting the players for that system, he's forcing the system on his players. Yeah. No. Actually, that's probably a really good point. Um, and. You know, when you're dealing with guys, you know, a mixture of the old guard, you know, the Wayne Rooney's and the Phil Jones and, you know, previously, obviously, it was Patrice Evra. And, you know, when you're dealing Robin Van Persie, you know, it, it does take time to bring in the type of guys that you feel will play your system sure. or your style. But then look what he's done to Memphis Depay or Depay. Right. right? He brought that was a big, you know, everyone was saying it was him that was the reason that Depay came and he's not even, you know, starting or he he looks restricted and stuff like that. So I don't know, but I guess, you know, United is what fourth. They're they're sitting in fourth. 
29 uh, points. Yeah, so, I mean, they could win the league still this they year. They still could. I mean, they're, they're, they're only six points off, although you get to a point in the Premier League where six points actually starts to be yes. a pretty big divide. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm kind of amazed, I will say, that you've got this board of directors over at United who obviously they had Ferguson for two dec- three decades, mm-hmm. um, that they didn't do a little more in the interviews of what kind of system are you bringing here? Right. Because I, I think it's got to matter. The, the way you play has to matter to a club. Yeah. You know? and, and in their, their more recent history, since Ferguson was there, and you know Ferguson had plenty of time to build this team up. Of course, he came in in, a, in an age where coaches weren't fired six games into the season. Right. Um, so he was given time to build what the, the awesome success that he had. But that became... The history of Manchester United, basically, yeah, you know, and playing this this type of game where no matter what, it was going to be attractive. Yes. What is the board of directors doing where they're not hiring guys unless these managers are lying in their interviews? What are they doing bringing these guys in who bring this uh, very um, uh, rigid rigid way of playing? You know, I think part of it, and I always use this when you know I hear Wenger out and fire Wenger all the time and hey, he's useless he can't win you know and i always anytime you talk about firing a coach you have to think about okay who's realistically available then to replace the guy because you don't want to replace the guy with someone as bad or worse and generally coaches that are available are not available because they're rock stars they're usually available because they lost their last job you know it's a great I point mean, Klopp stepped down, and I think that was a right. really big pickup for Liverpool. Um, and Guardiola stepped down, and that was a great pickup for Bayern. And I think those are the opportunities you kind of have to almost fall into. And otherwise, you might have to ride it out, um, which I think United are probably going to do. I think they probably hope they'll get Guardiola because it sounded like today he's not going to renew with um, with Bayern, but their neighbors in city uh you know he's got two of his former barcelona you know front room guys running the show there or whatever so well that i'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that was actually going to be my last question to you in this segment is uh what happens at manchester city if pep doesn't renew because there's been plenty of talk that city's going to go after him do you let a guy like pellegrini go who could very possibly have this team win the premier league maybe win champions league Maybe get that treble? I don't think you do. And I think that's the, you know. The, but are, the, but are, are we in a time of age where it makes sense to us? Like common sense says, no, you don't fire a guy like that. But then we live in this age where these clubs make these snap decisions. I think that's when you might have the possibility of losing a dressing room. Kind of like, you know, what's going on with these other clubs. You've got a dressing room that clearly is playing for Pellegrini. Now, regardless of whether or not Pep Guardiola might be in that Mount Rushmore of great coaches all time, he's not going to necessarily play the guys or play players the same as Pellegrini. And now all of a sudden, as a professional athlete, I've done something that's gotten me success. I've been playing this way. Now you want me to do, you know, now you want me to do something totally different because it's your way. And so that's, I think, how you lose those kind of guys. I think Guardiola, I think he takes a sabbatical after this year and waits out Wenger's contract. Wenger sees out his contract, and he comes to Arsenal. All right, you heard it here first. 
Pep Guardiola will be <laughs> will be going to Arsenal. That is, uh, I don't know if that's that's as much as a dream for Mr. T.C. Ward or if it's going to be a reality, but we shall see. That was a great great conversation, T.C. about the Premier League. I appreciate your insight. It's always good when you can throw out all those names too. You know, it makes you sound smart. I mean, I'm doing my best. I got a cheat sheet <laughs> here, and <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. When we come back, we are going to stay across the pond. Just look into some Champions League uh, predictions here, and we also want to talk a little bit about the Euro 2016 group. So do not go away. Stay with us here on, I was going to say Sports Radio America. We are on Sports Radio America, but the show is too up front. Welcome back to Two Up Front. This is Simon Provan in with my co-host today for the evening, Mr. T.C. Ward. You're listening to us on Sports Radio America. You can also find us on Spreaker.com, iTunes, and uh, iHeartRadio. Like I said, this is only my second time doing this, so Baxter is a great coach. (laughs) I'm not always the best player, though, when it comes to this, but I'm learning, Baxter. I am learning. I will get better and better every time this has to happen, which hopefully won't happen often, not to say anything that you're doing a bad job, TC, with Baxter and I just, you know, we enjoy you doing the have, show together. Yeah, you guys have a moxie and, you know, a good thing going. Yeah, you know. yeah, absolutely. So, all right, we wanted to jump into Euro 2016, just looking at the groups here. Uh, so this is an expanded Euro 2016. I keep saying Euro 2016 like I can't just say Euros, you know. Yeah. But, but then I think I'm talking about some type of food when I say Euros and I get hungry and... We go no, we all over go the to place. Euro and, yeah. <laughs> so you get it. Anyways, <laughs> how many how many teams are in now? One, two, three, four, five, six. So six times four. Is it twenty four? I thought it was more than that. I think Did they're talking. Are they talking about expanding the groups? Or I mean, 
expanding after this year. Is it after this year? I thought this was maybe, the year they expanded. Maybe they did expand. Oh, they did. Yeah, they went from 16, right? 16 to 24. Yeah, that that's what be. it was. Okay. That's what it was. So so here we go. We go from TC informing us about all this group great Premier League stuff, sounded so smart. And then I come on and I'm like, uh, yeah, so what's going on with Euros? <laughs> I was in the same <laughs> position. I mean, I, what was that, two years ago? I mean, I can't remember last <laughs> week. Uh, you know, That's true. Four years ago, by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> so, w- see, we're in that weird region, the CONCACAF, that uh, has the Gold Cup every two years. That's why it always gets ah, so confusing right. for yes. us. Yeah. We're used to that continental championship happening every other year. Well, with all the money, though, that you know, Europe's probably looking at CONCACAF <laughs> making off the gold yes. cup. You might see the Euros start start <laughs> Very a true. little more frequently. Very true. Well, hopefully all that gets resolved and we don't have all this corruption in the game, but mm-hmm. there's so much of it. Yes. It's going to be hard to uh, get rid of all of it. Well, back to uh, back to talking about the Euros. There, I, I did it. I said it without 2016. Um, we were talking beforehand about what we feel is the group of death, and there's actually – some very interesting groups, and uh, I will say the experiment of expanding, now that we actually figured out it was an expansion, worked quite well. I mean, the games still have to be played, but when you're looking at these groups, you know, I, I pointed to Group E that has the number one ranked team, take that for what it's worth, in Belgium. You have Italy in there, Sweden, and Republic of Ireland, so that's a pretty decent group. UTC, we're looking at which group? I just think Group D will be a tough group, I don't think, for Spain. But Turkey's always a dangerous team in tournaments. And then Czech Republic and Croatia are going to be tough. And then also, you know, Group B. I think those are the three, um, you know, that are the most tricky. Maybe not for that top team, you know, that one one seed, what have you, in that group. But I think that second, that second team is the one that, uh, you know, things could be a little dicey. Because it's two that come out, right? It's two that come out. I have to imagine that there's going to be probably some third-place teams. I, I have to apologize. I haven't looked to see how it all works out here. Uh, but I, since there's 24 teams, you got to have at least four third-place teams for a round of 16. Okay. So that's, that's probably what will happen. Um, I can actually look into that a little bit later. But, yeah, you know, Group B, of course, has that undefeated team in England, making it all the way through the, the qualifiers. Well, against Luxembourg and... Was it Montenegro? I mean, right. they, they always, you know, put up the actual occupations of the players that are, <laughs> That's right. you know, like they're postal workers. And nothing against, like, I'm sure they're great, you know. But, I mean, they're playing against a guy making 350,000 pounds a week in Wayne Rooney. Uh, Absolutely. It, it, you know, it, it, it is interesting because CONCACAF does get a lot of slack from the rest of the world for the, the bad teams that we have. But... You look at like a what is it a San Marino? That's where, the one, yeah yeah they 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 they're in the middle of Italy. I think I think almost everybody and I, I don't actually don't mean this in any redneck way whatsoever, but I think almost everybody in that city is related. I think that's what I once heard. Like, <laughs> are they of royal blood or something like yeah. that? But it's it's basically a city state. Yes, like Vatican City. Exactly. Kind of thing. Right. You know, and you got Luxembourg and whoever else. I mean, so yeah, they went undefeated, but I mean. Let's let's see what happens when they get <laughs> when they go and play you know a team like Wales or even Russia who's you know always a really good uh, tournament team and stuff like that. So it, it will be fun to watch them play Wales. Wales, of course, not making a tournament since I think like 1956. So this is a huge deal for them. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, to have two teams from the United Kingdom in the same group, 
I'm it's very good. interested to see how uh, how the fans are going to react to that. Are we? Hopefully, we don't see a return of full fledged hooliganism. But let's face it, there's always that chance when you get teams like England playing Wales or England playing Scotland or or Ireland or what have you. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it uh, it'll be a great atmosphere, and I, you know, I'm excited for Wales too. They're kind of like the you know almost like a Belgium where they got this golden age of players coming right. through with Bale and and Ramsey and some others. Um, you know, I'm excited for them, and I think with guys like that, they could go as far as, as anyone else, you know. I think it's actually a really even group of teams as far as there's – I don't really see – I mean, I know Belgium's rated as the number one team in the world, whatever. But I don't really see, like, a team that you could hands down say is going to win it. Like, right, it's right. 2012 was Spain. Mm-hmm. Like, you just knew, you know um, – and I, I, I will say, I, my my instinct, if I were to jump ahead and say I believe, I believe two European teams will be in the final. <laughs> no, actually, uh, <laughs> I, I do think Mel- Belgium is going to end up winning this. I think they're, not only is it a golden generation of players, but they're all in their prime right now. Yeah. You know, maybe Fellaini's a little bit past his prime, but uh, but man, when you got guys like Lukaku, who's just tearing up the Premier League, uh, De Bruyne, also uh, on that team, it's... It's a monster of a team. Of course, Germany's always up there as well, but, but my take is Belgium's actually going to end up winning this thing. I could, you know what? I thought Belgium, you know, they were a dark horse pick for a lot of people in the World Cup, and maybe it was a little bit, you know, maybe that was a good warm-up for the Euros for them mm-hmm. as far as that experience of being in a tournament. They're a younger group of guys and stuff like that. So maybe this is kind of where they, now they have that, that experience because it's probably going to be a lot of the same guys. Um, but you know, there's always teams like Italy who are in their group. Yes. Who are great tournament teams. Yep. Um, you know, they'll, they'll play the ugliest soccer on the planet to get a one, nothing or a zero, zero, you know, that whatever was, it is they need. That was the 2006 world cup. Yes, exactly. So if Belgium can subscribe to that sort of tactical nuance of understanding that sometimes they're going to have to do that. Yes, I think they probably have the most talent, but I'd love to see Sweden win it. I just want to see what uh, Ibrahimovic does <laughs> if he wins the Euros. I, you know, um, but yeah, I think Belgium's a good pick. You know, I do want to point out one group here that we're looking at: Austria, Hungary, mm-hmm. Iceland, Portugal. Group F. If you can say there's one group that it's probably weaker than the rest. That would be my money. At the same time, you got some cool historical lineups here with Austria taking on Hungary. Of course, you know, just looking back at the history of those mm-hmm. two countries. But then you got a, a newbie team in there like Iceland. And of course, you talk about good tournament teams, then you talk about really bad tournament teams, and Portugal fits that description. Yeah, you know, if there was ever time, you know, talk about Chelsea's collapse. How interesting would it be to see Portugal not make, out, make it out of this group? Oh. To, to see Ibrahimovic win a win a tournament like this to see Ronaldo crash out of a group like this and out of a tournament like this I think you'd see some great television I I think that they could they could field their medical staff though and make it out of this group but I, I you really would, you don't think see, so um any of those teams really challenging Portugal I think they'll have an easy group and get out but for theater purposes It'd be great to see him not do it. But in these, you know what though, you will. I, I can say, yeah. Speaking of uh, theater purposes for entertainment value, this is probably going to be some of the most fun games to watch because they're all going to believe they have an opportunity to get out. Well, yeah, and you know, with that, if there, you know, if there are three third place teams to come out, 
it might be a group where because there's not going to be that caginess, everyone's going to be playing for a win. You know, maybe the second and third place teams both come, you know, have six points or seven, which would probably get them through. So, you know, they uh, everyone loses to Portugal theoretically. And then, you know, two of the teams, you know, in Iceland and probably Austria, I don't really think Hungary's got, you know, they both sit on six points. Well, I don't see a lot of other third-place teams having six points. Right. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. Um, so, TC, you've been throwing a lot of names out that we also see taking place in Champions League. So while I got somebody here who follows this like the diehard fan that you are, just love to uh, get some of your predictions that we're going to see here. Um, of course, these games won't be played for quite a bit, but um, I'd like to see your arsenal. Toughest draw that you could possibly get. Now, Taking on Barcelona. Here's my thing with that. And, of course, yes, that's 100% accurate. Barcelona looks like, with that front three of Neymar, Suarez, and Messi, is just an unbelievable you know, group of forwards to have to face and defend against. But we did just beat Bayern who aren't really too many shades off of what Barcelona is, and maybe you could argue better defensively. Sure, um, sure. But for me, selfishly, I, I want to play a team like Barcelona right now. I don't want to have an easy matchup in the round of 16 and then face Barcelona in the group of eight and have another two games. You know, if, if we're going to do anything, it's probably in the Premier League. So I'd rather get the – I mean, I was almost rooting for us to lose against Olympiacos, except I didn't want to go to Europa League, um, where we probably would stay in that tournament longer. So I'm good with I'm good with the Barcelona thing. I don't think we really have a chance unless, you know – I mean, Wenger's not going to get any quality in the January transfer window that he can use in a Champions League game because sure. cup tied. So I don't see us winning, but if we do, then – you know what? We might as well win the Champions League too, because that's Barcelona is the best team in the world right now. Absolutely. You know. Yeah, and yeah, you would certainly like to think, yeah, if Arsenal takes Barcelona out, that that would give them enough to uh, to get past whoever it is they would end up meeting the rest of the way. Right. You know, I think the other really tough matchup is probably going to be uh, Bayern Juventus, and I know Juventus haven't been the same since last year, but they're still a team with loads of experience. Um, you know, we're talking about Italy and their tactical discipline and tournaments and stuff like that. Well, you know, I don't think that's an easy matchup for, for Bayern. Um, I, the Chelsea PSG thing, what is this? The third year in a row now that they've met in the round of 16, Uh, who knows what Chelsea you're going to see? I mean, in, in champions league, you know, everyone's saying they've, they won their group. It was, you know, they did great. Well, they had uh, Tel Aviv, Maccabi, or whatever. Right, in their group. They, right. they had an easy group. They should have right. won that group. Um, so who knows between now and then what's going on at Chelsea's training ground and medical staff. I got to say, it's it's almost scary to think about what PSG can do to Chelsea at this point. Yes. Of, of course, you know, keep Get in mind these games. score. That's right. <laughs> yes. These games aren't until February. So, you know, it's it's actually literally two months yep. from the day that we're recording the show that the first legs will be played. So... So who knows, maybe maybe we see a lot of cash spent at Chelsea. They certainly don't deserve to spend a lot of cash. Jose doesn't deserve to spend a lot of cash for right. the transfer season. But at this point, very well may have to. Yeah, but again, you know, that's the tough thing is if they do get any talent in January, 
odds are that talent is going to be cup tied. So anytime, if it was a player that played in, I believe it's the um, UEFA or Champions League, they can't play for another team, you know, because obviously it would keep a team from getting knocked out and then losing all their players. Sure, right. Um, so I don't know who they're going to get that's really, I mean, better than w- what PSG have. Um, the Ghent-Wolfsburg, I think that's a great story. You know, it probably is going to lose them some ratings for that game or whatever, but at least you're going to have one of those teams advancing. And, hey, Wolfsburg, I know you're a United fan, but they looked really good against United. Oh, I'm an Everton fan. I thought you were a United. No, guy. I'm Everton. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> see the see the big flag behind you right there. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, usually, I just yeah. tune those kind of things out. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's all right. That's um, all right. Well, either way, Wolfsburg looked really good against uh, United. No, uh, it's it's for know. for me. It's it's cool that you see these uh, Gent or Ghent and Wolfsburg Gent. make it through. Uh, you know, to see some new fresh teams in there yeah. rather than the. The typical 16 that you see. Yes. Yeah. And who does City play? Uh, Manchester City plays Dynamo, Dynamo Kiev. Actually, I think it's Dynamo. I think that's actually the correct way to see. Baxter and I do this every show saying, yeah. wait, did you say it like this or say it like this? Well, it's tough to, you know, because a lot of times you're reading it, but even when you hear it on TV, like, you know, half the announcers say it differently. That's anyway, true. And that's you're true. They're like, okay, so. Right. <laughs> I think either way, as long as you're not saying, you know, something completely wrong, like, putting a J in there somewhere. Right, right, I think, right. I think you're good. Well, you know, you all heard it. It's fine what Baxter and I do. TC has given us permission to butcher names or For to guess that name. So you know? I, I appreciate it, TC. That's fantastic. So anyways, yeah, uh, Dinamo Kiev taking on Man City. I think, well, you easily got to pick Man City on this, but Kiev, if I remember correctly, I can go back and look at this. I think they did win their group, and they actually surprised a lot of people. Yeah, and that's a Ukrainian team, right? Yes. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, with those home and away things, same thing with like Zenit, St. Petersburg, or CSKA in Moscow, it's not easy going to Russia or Ukraine, especially in the middle of February, and getting a result. I mean, they have permafrost in those countries. And so, you know, City, yes, it was great. They finally made it out of their group. Um, I take that back. I don't mean to interrupt, but oh. actually, uh, Kiev came out of the same group as Chelsea. So they, oh, okay. they did have FC Porto in there, who was usually a pretty decent squad out yep. of Portugal. Yep. Uh, but then the, the other team was the uh, Maccabee Tel Aviv FC. Um, so perhaps it's not as impressive that Kiev got out of the group. But again, they still got a point over uh, FC Porto. So got to give them a little credit for getting out. Well, and, you know, City's in their own injury crisis right now. And if, if a guy like Aguero can't go, you know, he, right. is, he is just always injured. And I feel bad for him because he's got, you know, clearly some hamstring issues that might kind of like curtail what could have been a career similar to a guy like Messi. But if they don't have him, I mean, it, he's not, that's a 20 plus goal a season guy. And Boney clearly doesn't look like the guy that's filling the shoes and stuff. So, but either way, I still think, you know, the Etihad slopes downhill. I think they've got <laughs> hydraulics underneath. So whenever, whichever goal City's attacking at the Etihad, they'll probably, you know, waltz through that one. But Yeah, maybe maybe they uh, they suffer in the first leg out in the Ukraine. Yeah. But end up making up whatever ground they lost, no yeah. pun intended. 
back in uh, Manchester. Uh, another could be a, an exciting one to watch. I think this will actually, with, with the way these two teams play, you got PSV from the Netherlands and Atletico, obviously, from La Liga, from Spain, taking on each other. Um, PSV did beat up Manchester United, which... You know, you'd like to think that's impressive, but then again, you look at how United's playing, and maybe it's not as impressive. Well, and you know, I think that was United's first game that they in the in the group stage that they played PSV and they lost. And PSV's good; they've got a guy. Uh, I think he's like a twenty-year-old striker or something. I think he leads Eredivisie, or he's towards the top in goals scored. I mean, you know, he's kind of a guy where you're like, why hasn't anyone picked him off yet? Um, but they are, you know, they're a good team, but I think you go to the, the cauldron or whatever it is sure. that Atletico plays at, and Diego Simeone is just glaring at you. I mean, that's enough for a couple of goals there. So I don't, I think this is where the dream probably ends for PSV. Um, but it's still awesome. I mean, to beat a team like Manchester United or to get past a group that has arguably the biggest club in the world. Right. In it, Right. I mean, that's massive for the Eredivisie and for, for PSV. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. That the English teams have picked up their play in the Champions League as well as in uh, Europa League as well. Um, and I know Klopp has come out and said, you know, English teams never take the Europa League seriously. I'm here to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, boy, he certainly it's has only turned... chance to win a trophy. That's, that's <laughs> right. That's right. Um, but, you know, the English... The Premier League's in danger of losing spots because of how poorly they've been doing in these European tournaments. Um, so I, I guess wherever you stand, you'd, you'd either like to see them do well or maybe you're excited that uh, Serie A from Italy's may take over one of those spots from the English teams. But but you certainly, I think most Americans follow the Premier League more than anything, so you'd certainly like to see these English teams do better in these European competitions. Yeah, I think, you know... Um I remember reading an article where the coefficient for Champions League spots, even, you know, if EPL has another down year this year, I think the ones that would overtake them would be Syria, and they haven't been doing theoretically better it, because it's from five years ago or something. Right, right. So uh, you'd have to see a collapse a few years more down the road. I think the big thing is the, the Europa League, how teams – it, at least from an EPL standard, don't traditionally do well in that. And a lot right. of it has to do with the fact that the FA doesn't give any breaks to those teams right. with respect to scheduling. So you have a Thursday night game in the Ukraine, and you still have a Saturday you know, Saturday noon game or whatever. And I think Klopp was just saying, was it them that just traveled, got back on Friday, and then had to play West Brom right. or something like that? Right. So if the FA wants... You know, that coefficient to stay the same or that placement thing to stay the same, I think they've got to kind of bend and say, okay, if you're in Europa League, you'll have a Monday game or something. Or no, I, I completely agree with you. That's, it's, again, it's, it's kind of like MLS is finally starting to give more money to teams who make it to the CONCACAF Champions League. Yeah. But it's the same idea. You can't, you can't be Don Garber sitting there saying, hey, I want our teams to really start taking this tournament more seriously, but then not do anything to really help them along. Now, we did see this last season um, – that teams were, the league and teams were rearranging games. For example, when the Montreal Impact were in the final, teams were saying, okay, we don't have to play this weekend, so you can concentrate on that game. So, so we're seeing more of that in CONCACAF. Okay. Um, but, but, 
speaking specifically of Europa League with Premier League teams, that's that's exactly it. Is it's not even like these games are on Wednesdays, so you maybe have a couple of days to recover right. just from that lengthy travel. You're talking a Thursday night game, a two thousand mile trip. Yeah, <laughs> coming I, home. I get jet lagged if I have to, you know, have a layover in Chicago from <laughs> Milwaukee. Like I'm right. sitting there, like these guys are jumping on a plane, you know, after playing, you know, ninety minutes of. You know, very physical soccer. Uh, we all know what the leg room's like. I That's mean, right. Uh, you know, so I think, and you've experienced a lot of Europa League, haven't you, over the year, being an Everton supporter? Yes, uh, yes. You know, and that's that's the thing is, like, a team like Everton where they don't necessarily have as big a roster, you know, to right. really... They don't have that depth. To rotate the squad in any capacity to where you can realistically challenge for the Europa League and keep at least your Europa League spot in the table... So now those guys just drop off as the season goes because they're playing. You know, exactly. So, right. Um, yeah, and no, you see it. You see it. You see it with these English teams that if they take the Europa League seriously, this is, this is what happened to Everton. Yeah. They totally suffer in the Premier League. That happened last year, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Two years ago. Two years ago. Two? for what? No, it was last year. I'm sorry. Yeah, because yeah, that's when they year. were like at 15th in the table at one point. Right. Uh, middle yes. of the season, and everyone was saying, is Martinez, is he really that good of a coach? But they were, you know, tearing it up. And then they they had a really exciting game to get knocked out, didn't they? Or um, It was. It was, well, it was, a, it was an exciting uh, for the other aggregate team. series. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the final score ended up being like, Five to two in that final yeah. game. It got it got ugly. Obviously, Everton was just pressing for it, yeah. going for it, and they get kept getting caught at the back. But, yeah. but yeah, I mean they they did take it seriously. Like as you said, they realized, hey, we haven't won a major trophy in a long time, so why this not point. add to the cabinet? Right. And if you're not going to get relegated, you know, yeah. you might as well go for it. I mean, um, now Chelsea, uh, they kind of missed that boat because now they're through on the group stage. They don't get a Europa League spot, right. so they're just not going to win a trophy this right. year. That's um, right. Well, one last game I have to ask you about because, I, man, we were we were trying to figure this one out. Benfica and Zanit. Yes. <laughs> Who do you got? <laughs> I'm joking. that We didn't talk about this game at all, folks. I, You know, any team from Russia, like I was saying, is hard to play away against. That being said, any team in Portugal, like FC Porto, like Benfica, and now I'm forgetting the third one, that's a really tough place to play, too. So I think that's going to be a very interesting home and away. I think it's going to come down to away goals um, because both those are really challenging environments to go to. And again, you know, we come down to you can look at these clubs and say, well, you know, on a, on a grand scale of things, they're not that big of clubs. But these games tend to be the ones that are really fun to watch. It may not be yep. the best soccer, but it's exciting soccer to watch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to see, you know, if Jose is still at the helm for their final or for that knockout stage game, you're not going to be seeing 10 men behind the ball at Benfica. Right. You know? <laughs> Very true. Well, we're going to go to one more break here. We'll come back. Actually, we may do one more brick. I don't know. I'm just sitting in for Baxter as the producer. Who knows what's going on? We've had a fun so show. We've had a fun show so far talking MLS Cup, Premier League, Champions League, Euro. We're going all around the world, folks. We didn't get to FIFA World Cup, uh, the Club World Cup. I don't think we will, though. But any predictions on that? Barcelona. Okay, um, that sounds good. Yeah. We'll go with Barcelona. <laughs> all right, TC Ward and Simon Proven here on Two Up Front. We will see you on the other side of the break.
Welcome back to Two Up Front. This is Simon Provan with my guest host. T.C. Ward. All right, T.C. sitting in for Baxter, who is at home, spending some quality time with his wife, as well as he should. Uh, we are here. We've been talking a whole lot of different stuff here, MLS Cup, Champions League, Premier League, what, what have you. Folks, you can listen to us live on Spreaker.com. You can find us on demand on iHeartRadio and iTunes. And, of course, you can listen to us on Sports Radio America every Friday. Well, not every Friday, but nearly every Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern. That is 2 to 5 Central. Thanks so much for listening in. You can also find us on our social media pages. Facebook, we are 2UpFront. And Twitter, our handle is at 2UpFrontSoccer. Folks, we change things up a little bit. That's what you do when you have just a tiny bit of a formation. So usually it's, it's Baxter and I playing straight up front with each other. But uh, today we had TC play a little bit further up. I was the withdrawn forward. I like that. I, I like to just, <laughs> at this point in my life, I like to just kind of sit up top and, you know, as well the ball. And... As well as you should. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're more of a classic number nine then, would you say? I like to be, think I am now. Yeah? You right. know, I never really, I, I played a little bit of forward growing up and stuff like that. But I was always kind of the guy that you could put out wide you know or whatever and <laughs> i obviously at this point i was bored with that position so now if i play with someone or whatever i'm like yeah i'm a forward uh, you know and they don't know me because that's not like i had some career that, <laughs> like, wait a second i know yeah no right yeah so now i'm that guy either way either way it works you've done a wonderful job filling it for baxter so thanks, uh, thanks again fun. for for coming in yeah, yeah. well we don't want to leave the show just yet we want to do uh speaking of changing things up we want to do a little bit of our what we call our 50-50. So this is going to be TC's first, uh, first shot at a 50-50. Um, you've played soccer your whole life, so I'm, I'm sure you've had some pretty, pretty uh, exciting 50-50 balls that you've gone after, probably cracked a few ankles and, and probably taken a few cracks yourself. Yeah, yeah. Right. I was always kind of my close my eyes and hope, <laughs> hope this works out. No, yeah. Uh, love a good 50-50 challenge. Awesome. Well, for those of you who don't know, 50-50, what we do is we take on a topic from the soccer world and uh, we each get 45 seconds. One of us usually wants whatever it is that we're talking about. The other person doesn't want that or agrees, disagrees. Uh, so this week, since it's been in conversations, it was at the Board of, Governor meeting, Board of Governors meeting for uh, MLS, Don Garber has basically come out and said they want some type of form of instant replay in Major League Soccer. Uh, so... Since I'm going to be the nice host, I, I gave you the opportunity to choose what you wanted to do. I will go first on this. Then you can come in and, and tear my argument apart. So uh, we each get 45 seconds, TC, to – it's kind of like a soccer game, right. 45 minutes, one half, 45 on the other. Is there added time, stoppage time? Uh, since you're a guest, I may give you a little bit of stoppage time, but generally we try to keep it at the 45 okay, seconds. Okay, so no Fergie time. No. <laughs> okay, got if it. You were it's a, a hard – If it's you, like... you were a United fan, you may get that Fergie time. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. All right. So uh, I'm going to start out and maybe shock a few people and say, yes, I'm actually okay with instant replay, and I, I think it can help. Now, there's got to be a limit to it. But what I base this on is, is the argument that I keep hearing is that it's going to slow the game down if there's instant replay. Now, I think on goal scores that, that tend to be you're not really sure if it went in or not, uh, of course, goal line technology can help with that. But uh, you look at all these plays that happen where players just completely surround a ref and yell at him for two or three minutes before order is restored. Well, instead of having that two to three minutes be filled with these mass confrontations, let's have instant replay where it's not necessarily taken out of the ref's hand, but that the ref will get a moment to, to see what he, the call that he made, look at it, and decide whether he got the call right or not and actually have the correct call. 
That's I, that was my forty-five seconds. There's so much more I could say. Don't speak on it yet. Don't speak okay. on it yet. You got your forty-five seconds to uh, tear me apart, and then we'll have a little conversation about okay. it afterwards. So, you ready, sir? Yes. All right. Go. I cannot disagree more. <laughs> and and here's why: because I don't even think it works in other sports. I mean, you look at the discussion over any. NFL instant replay, like the Des Bryant thing. I mean, it just makes so many more people now argue about, is that the correct? And now you have all these, like, addendums to rules and what is a catch and what isn't a catch and what is a, you know. So I don't think it does any good in those sports. And on top of it, I feel like there's too many moments in games. I mean, would you have called back that throw-in that should have been for Columbus, you know, in the MLS? I mean, are you literally going to look at every single thing? I think at some point people just got to stop whining and deal with the game, and you know it's a life lesson. Look at that! You had two extra seconds. You're asking for stoppage time, <laughs> and you had two extra. I seconds. didn't have anything. I mean, there's really nothing else to say. I think it's dead and done. Hey, I mean, I'll tell you I'm what. I'm up four zero. I, I will tell you that's that is the best argument I've heard against it. Um, you know, I, the the other argument I hear is well, you know, human error has got to be part of the game. I, I don't buy into that. It no, has to be yeah. part of the game. Yeah. But your argument of how it doesn't work in other sports, I have to say, I mean, being Packers fans, right, right what happened two or three years ago in with the Seattle, Seattle Seahawks, yeah, yeah, that, that should have easily been overturned, and, uh, and it wasn't. Well, then you look at last year, it was last year in the playoffs against the Cowboys, and obviously being a Packers fan, I, I'm grateful Fine for it. Fine with the call. But, <laughs> but the Des Bryant, how, I don't know how that's not a catch. Right. I don't. Right. And that's where I get to all these now, you know, it's like rule or law 19 or law 18, but then there's like seven, you know, it's an outline of, you have the A and then the Roman small. Yes, yes. I mean, you're literally going down to, and and in a sport like soccer where it's a, there's not tons of stoppages or not supposed to be, uh, what is and isn't going to be a reviewable thing? And when when do you say the scoring play started? No, that's you know? that that's a fair point as well. But the only thing, like I said in my argument, is is to say I, I still don't think ultimately it's going to make the game any slower if, no. if we're talking about controversial calls. Because, no. like I said, it, it's, and I will say this is an epidemic in MLS that I wish they would solve. Yeah. But this mass confrontation with referees, and I, I tell you, every single call, it seems like almost every call in MLS, a player's got to scream about it. And you know what the refs have to do at some point is just throw, start throwing out cards. That's right. And just really send a message. I mean, I, I put a little bit on that on the referees as far as, you know, they don't have an easy job. But one way to to really, you know, mitigate that situation or make it, disappear is to start saying hey if 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 you're not the captain and you're coming to talk to me this is a foul this is a handball at midfield guys i'm gonna start giving cards i think goal line technology is a great idea i think that needed to be done i like the uh the end line referees that they have in uh, yes. champions league yes i don't know why they don't seem to call i think they are the goal line technology for you know because they the epl is the one with the stuff in in the goal post right. or whatever I think you should have more referees in soccer as far as those two on the end line or the one on the end line where they can also help in calling fouls or Elbows to the face on a corner kick. Yes, exactly. Um, Because I do think it's a very fast game now and it's, but. Well, it it, it is TC and that's, that's one of the arguments I have, but I would be fine if they had, let's see, that would be the, the two assistants, you know, traditionally called linesmen, the guy in the middle. And then I guess you would have four more, on 
two more each on each end, end line, line so right. four more yeah. assistant referees. I'd be okay with that because the game is so much faster than it ever was before, well, and the refs can't keep up with it. And you look at the ratio of referees to players. Basketball is three referees for ten players, ten players. On, on the court. And you know a great example of this, by the way, is what happened with that goal. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a Timbers fan. I love that they scored that second goal, but I'll be honest. The ball went out of bounds. Had to be. But when you, when you watch the replay, you will see that the linesman is watching for offside. I was, yep. You know, so he didn't turn and see that that ball was out. So can you really blame him? No, because he was doing his job. Of, right. But if you have another guy that's down at that end line, and he's responsible for keeping his eye on that, on that ball in those moments. Right. Then you're going to get that call right. Yes. At the same time, as a Columbus crew, you don't give up and wait for that whistle. Well, and you know what? The only guy that gave up was the guy that was running to either take the throw it or whatever. Right. And thought, I mean, maybe Columbus, the rest of the players kind of took a half second, but they weren't in any position to see whether or not the ball went out. So they kind of kept playing. And it wasn't like just that guy went down and scored. It was two, three passes, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah. So, and they benefited from the Michael Park, Parkhurst uh, end zone catch or whatever. Right. Um, so, I mean, but again, the end line referee or whatever would have would have called that that's, theoretically. That's the I don't right. know what the other guys are watching. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, TC. I love the fact that we started the show talking about MLS Cup, and we somehow made our way back to talking about MLS Cup. And All I, is right I, with the world. I will always talk about MLS Cup as long as the Portland Timbers <laughs> are holding that MLS Cup. But, uh, well, it's time for a segment that we tend to end our show with. You'll hear the music. That's right. It is time for our I Believe segment. So this is the portion of the show that we talk about something that we believe is going to happen in the soccer world, may be related to the show, may not be related to the show. TC, do you have an I Believe that you'd like to uh, share with the audience? I do. And uh, I kind of alluded to it earlier during the EPL discussion and being a huge Arsenal fan. I believe Pep Guardiola will be the next coach at Arsenal. Is he going to have a stop before that? No. Traditionally, you know, and he's only coached at Barcelona and now Bayern. But after he was done at Barcelona, he took a one-year sabbatical, lived in New York, you know, where he's pretty anonymous. And I think part of that has to do with his – he's so intense and so engaged. Like, he feels like he wears himself out and he wanted to break. And maybe part of it was, like, he didn't like the opportunities available to him when he was done with Barcelona. I think he'll do the same thing after Bayern because there's not going to be an attractive enough offer – at the same time, Wenger has two years left on his contract, this year and I believe the following year. And he has come out and said, especially in the last six months, he wants to set up Arsenal when he leaves in a position not only with their players and the structure and everything that he's built there, basically, but also with the correct coach that will have the same ideologies and philosophies and all that. Well, the two coaches might not always agree when they play each other or you know, coach against one each other, but as far as their ideologies and philosophies about how the game should be played and represented and all those things, they are about as close to one another as, as I think you could. I mean, Mourinho's not the successor to a, a Wenger. No, no, club. not at all. So I could see Guardiola being the guy that Wenger, you know, passes No, I, I think to. it's a great point. I mean, you, you look at Bayern Munich. I mean, he, he basically took that team from being your kind of your typical German we're going to play in a shell. We'll be play very yep. patient soccer to a very attractive attacking side. Yep. And, of course, that's, that's what Arsenal's always been about with Wenger at the helm. Sometimes to a fault. Uh. Right. <laughs> so I guess it's my turn for an I believe. Yeah. 
I just, it's going to sound a little cheesy, TC, but I believe you did an awesome job today. So Thanks. thank you for joining us on the show. Uh, we are uh, two up front, and uh, we, we'll, again, see, now I'm, now I'm floundering here. This is where <laughs> Baxter usually handles the signing off duties. Anyways, we are two up front. TC Ward, thank you again for stepping in for Baxter, being a wonderful co-host. My name is Simon Provan. You can listen to us on Sports Radio America on Fridays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern, 2 to 5 Central. You can listen to us live on Spreaker.com. You can also listen to us on demand at Spreaker.com, iHeartRadio, and iTunes. Make sure you check us out on Facebook at 2UpFront or on Twitter at 2UpFrontSoccer. With our manager being the one above, we are 2UpFront. Also, you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus. The bulbous walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.